fond of using them, his habit of stammering was not thereby improved. In fact, there were periods in his discourse when he would finally give up and swallow his discomfiture in a glass of water. As I said, my uncle, Professor Hardwick, was a very learned man, and, I now add, a most kind relative— I was bound to him by the double ties of affection and interest. I took deep interest in all his doings, and hoped some day to be almost as learned myself. It was a rare thing for me to be absent from his lectures. Like him, I preferred mineralogy to all the other sciences. My anxiety was to gain real knowledge of the earth. Geology and mineralogy were to us the sole objects of life— and in connection with these studies many a fair specimen of stone, chalk, or metal did we break with our hammers. Steel rods, lodestone, glass pipes, and bottles of various acids were oftener before us than our meals. My uncle Hardwick was once known to classify six hundred different geological specimens by their weight, hardness, fusibility, sound, taste, and smell— he corresponded with all the great, learned, and scientific men of the age. I was, therefore, in constant communication with, at all events, the letters of Sir Humphrey Davy, Captain Franklin, and other great men. But before I state the subject on which my uncle wished to confer with me, I must say a word about his personal appearance— Alas, my readers will see a very different portrait of him at a future time, after he has gone through the fearful adventures yet to be related. My uncle was fifty years old, tall, thin, and wiry. Large spectacles hid, to a certain extent, his vast, round, and goggle eyes, while his nose was irreverently compared to a thin file— so much, indeed, did it resemble that useful article that a compass was said in his presence to have made considerable northern deviation. <laughs> uh, the truth being told, however, the only article really attracted to my uncle's nose was tobacco. Another peculiarity of his was that he always stepped a yard at a time, clenched his fists as if he were going to hit you, and was, when in one of his peculiar humors, very far from a pleasant companion. It is further necessary to observe that he lived in a very nice house in that very nice street, the Königstrasse, at Hamburg. Though lying in the center of a town, it was perfectly rural in its aspect half wood, half bricks, with old-fashioned gables, one of the few old houses spared by the Great Fire of 1842. When I say a nice house, I mean a handsome house, old, tottering, and not exactly comfortable to English notions. A house a little off the perpendicular and inclined to fall into the neighboring canal, exactly the house for a wandering artist to depict— all the more that you could scarcely see it for ivy and a magnificent old tree which grew over the door. My uncle was rich. His house was his own property, while he had a considerable private income. To my notion, the best part of his possessions was his goddaughter Gretchen. And the old cook, the young lady, the professor, and I 
were the sole inhabitants. I loved mineralogy. I loved geology. To me there was nothing like pebbles, and if my uncle had been in a little less of a fury, we should have been the happiest of families. To prove the excellent Hardwick's impatience, I solemnly declare that when the flowers in the drawing-room pots began to grow, he rose every morning at four o'clock to make them grow quicker by pulling the leaves. Having described my uncle, I will now give an account of our interview. He received me in his study, a perfect museum containing every natural curiosity that can well be imagined, minerals, however, predominating. Every one was familiar to me, having been catalogued by my own hand. My uncle, apparently oblivious of the fact that he had summoned me to his presence, was a...